the Staff and Graph podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. Inlinks are salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. All right, we're back with the Staff and Graph podcast. This time, it's just me, but I am joined by two of my very good friends, Abby Mastracco. Abby, say hi and tell everybody what you do. <laughs> hi, I'm Abby. I used to cover the Devils and the NHL on like an, at a national level, and I covered the Kings and the Ducks, but now I'm covering the Mets again because I can't get away from them. Because Abby loves baseball. And we are joined by <laughs> <love> baseball. <laughs> Corey Massasak. And Corey currently lives in San Jose. But Corey, tell everybody what you do. Yeah. Hi. I um, I cover the Sharks <clears throat> uh, for the Athletic. I used to cover the Devils for the Athletic. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Once upon a time, I used to cover the Capitals. I don't actually know how many people there are out there that have covered three different NHL teams like for multiple uh multiple years like like abby and i kind of have but yeah that's us uh, it's kind of fun so point, yeah i mean obviously the tie here is that we were all in new jersey together we all experienced that together right off the top let's have fun what was the what was your favorite food in the press room because we knew like <laughs> <laughs> I, we all know what i ate for dinner every game uh, day but like what was your favorite food in the press room the that infamous press room the food I brought myself, <laughs> the food I brought my Lala empanada down the street, which sadly is no longer, uh, the whole food sandwiches I used to bring, <laughs> tried not to eat that media food very often. Like in the last couple of weeks, a, an NHL scout said, I used to love going to New Jersey during the COVID year because their box lunches were great. And I was like completely taken back by it because like, I didn't, I'm mean, honestly that, that year, the year when the, the the short year when like you I basically was only allowed to go to home games and like there was all the weird stuff going on. I like I didn't eat at the games. I, I ate at like wherever, like someplace in Newark and then just went over right before the game started. But yeah, so some uh, there's at least one person out there that liked their food. I will say there um uh what was it? There there was something that was really good and I was like I got excited every time they had it and now I'm completely blanking on what it was. It might have just been the breakfast stuff. I mean I the know. dessert tray. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Really that's good. The, uh, yeah, the little Portuguese tarts, like, yeah, I ate way too many of those. And then I moved here, and there's actually a, a part of San Jose called Little Portugal, and there is a place there called Popular Portuguese Bakery. I mean, it's right in the name, and uh, <laughs> it is unreal. Like, it is like I, it, I have basically lived in like the two places that have like the best Portuguese food in America, like here and then like the Ironbound District over by Newark. So like yeah that's, that's what i that's pretty much if you are talking uh devil's uh media room food i'm i'm remembering those little tarts for sure <laughs> but yeah the, the dessert tray was good other but as a rule in general i try and stay away from media food so like this isn't just a devil specific thing i just don't eat a lot of media food like especially if i'm traveling i want to go try whatever that city is like known for and usually i'll try and like bring something in and this and it's the same with baseball too like the press box food in general is just not 
fantastic. And like, if I'm in Chicago, I'm probably not going to eat at the Wrigley Field press box. The exception is the United Center in Chicago and hot dogs in Montreal. Yes. I had at the draft, I think I had like three of the LaFleur hot dogs in Montreal, but (laughs) I mean, I think we're all in agreement that dessert tray. Like I would go down there every game, like clockwork and you two would always see me doing it. Like three cannolis, two Portuguese tarts. And that was dinner on a game night, (laughs) which is like probably not the healthiest, but, but then we had like, I remember the three of us eventually, like when we started up our, our group chat, you two would always ask, is it ice cream night or is it pretzel night? Because that <laughs> yeah, matters, I did like man. the pretzel bites. <laughs> the pretzel I had a rule that I only did the, the ice box. cream on opening night. And on the, the first night of the year and the last night of the last home game, those were the only two uh, days I, I allowed myself the ice cream in the press box. Man, so. the ice cream is so good in the press box. But what, here's, okay, I never understood this. And I, I need to know if either of you know this. They have ice cream in the press box because Rita sponsors the team, right? Why do they not have Aritas yeah. in the rink? Like for fans to buy. I thought they did. They don't. Do they not I, like, no. I think Why didn't we have to. Italian ice? I I, know, I didn't know yeah. I didn't know that, that was Aritas. I already taken Italian ice. Yeah, like I, I don't know. Like it was it was a, a wild wild time. But like okay, so what is your favorite covering f- covering hockey in general? One, like, what's your favorite arena to go to just, like, for any reason? And um, what was the favorite, what was your favorite thing you wrote, like, while you were covering the Devils? Because I feel like there's, when you travel on the road with a team, like, you get a different experience. And, and I mean, like, some teams allow you to go on the charter. The Devils famously, like, didn't, unless you were a certain member of the media. Um, but like when you when you guys are going on the road, like do you guys have a favorite city that you went to covering, and then like a favorite story you got to tell? Go ahead, Abby. I mean, I uh, I did like help Dwayne Rollison escape some trouble in Banff once when I was there with the Ducks. He was he wanted to get up on stage and and stay and sing, and he asked me. He's like do you think that guy would let me play his guitar? I was like, no, you can't just go up on stage and like ask a guy to play his guitar. Sure enough though, he like, he comes back around maybe 30 minutes later and he's switched hats with somebody, switched belts with somebody. And he's like, the guitar is next. We're like, absolutely not. You cannot just get up on stage and ask to play some random guy's guitar. And he starts walking over there and me and somebody else from the ducks were like, come back, come back. And it turns out the guy with the guitar, the, the whole band was, they were big Oilers fans. And he's like, wait, you're Dwayne Rollison. And he's like, yeah, buddy, can I play your guitar? And he's like, no, you can't play my guitar. <laughs> but you're Dwayne Rollison. Like, he was really excited to meet Dwayne Rollison. But Rolly was just fixated on this guitar. And he was like, man, like, loyal to the oil, big fan. I love you, man, but you can't play my guitar. <laughs> That's actually I like going amazing. To Canada because I can... I, my other trips to Western Canada have not been that eventful. There was the duck staff really had fun that night. One of their social media guys like went ghost hunting and had to call me because the hotel was mad at him for like <laughs> wandering around the lobby late at night. Um, I like going to Western Canada. I think my favorite arena is Bell Center though. Yeah, I could see that. That's, that's my mine and the, the United Center and the Bell Center. I feel like are the best ranks in the league. Yeah, United Center is pretty cool. I'm trying to think. I mean, I mean, I think I don't know. I mean, Bell Center is the best for like the atmosphere and just 
everything. And like, I've, I, don't know, I think I've mentioned this a couple of times on Twitter. Like I, um, I covered the, like the first and second round for the Canadians. Um, the first round was they played the caps when I was covering them and they upset them in 2010. And then the second round, I just kind of randomly got to freelance it for NHL.com. So it was like Pittsburgh and Montreal. And those games, particularly the Pittsburgh games, once like they had actually pulled off the first upset and people were like kind of starting to believe like the second round at bell center was as loud as any NHL building I've ever been in. And I've covered mm, three game sevens in the Stanley cup final. Like, wow. Uh, I mean like the United center, uh, uh, um, TD garden for cup final games. Like bell center is like on a, just, it's just on a different level. Like there's not really a good way to describe yeah. it unless you just sort of, like, I mean, it, it's crazy. It's like crazy on a Saturday night in November compared to other rinks. But like once the, I mean, they were like, like flipping over cars and burning them after like winning game six in the first round. Like there wasn't a, I mean, I, I know that like, like Vancouver, I, I was there in Vancouver too for the whole like game seven in 2011. And like, we were actually, that's a pretty good story. We were actually like, as the writers like you get done with the game and you go down and you talk to everybody we got we were trapped in the arena like they wouldn't let us leave the arena because of all the rioting that was going on outside so we like we got done with all of our stories and we just kind of sat there and like watched tv for like a half hour until we were finally allowed to go get on our bus and go back to the nhl.com hotel and then after that it was like i mean 1 in the morning probably i just like went for a walk and just like started seeing like you know banks with their windows busted open and cars flipped over burnt and it was just like wow this is uh this is a slightly different experience than i'm used to whenever i'm just trying to be a hockey writer but yeah that's so unhinged like i'm thinking about where the vancouver rink is obviously because i'm maybe a little familiar with that city now um and like <laughs> trying to like walk out of there like you can if you take the wrong turn you can end up in like a pretty not great place so like I feel like like I remember so it was like yeah the first time I went out to Vancouver I was looking for Tim Hortons and like I hadn't really been in downtown Vancouver so I just like walked anywhere because I'm like oh it's probably got to be safe right I go into this Tim Hortons and like I got attacked by a man in a dinosaur costume like a man wearing a blow up dinosaur <laughs> costume at 7:30 in the morning ran at me and I was like, what is going on? I want to go home. Like, this I would is... Say, I don't know if that's dangerous or just unhinged. <laughs> like, I, I feel like it's less dangerous than Newark. I mean, you guys know, like, I lived at that hotel <laughs> for three months. And I feel like every time I saw you guys in the press room, there was just, like, something else that had happened. Like, I remember the one time it came and I was like... Yeah, I definitely saw... <laughs> I definitely saw a couple dead bodies at Newark Penn Station. Like, it's, I don't know, it makes me sad. Like, we've left so much of society behind. I never had any issues, com like, commuting through Newark Penn Station in all those years. But, like, I don't know, it just made me sad to see, like, what it's come to. And it's ended because, like, you look at, like, one side of Broad Street... And it's like you've got the rink there and it's actually like kind of nice. And then you get to like the Ironbound and like Topps Diner, which like is one of the best diners ever. But then it's like you can't even cross the street to go to like where Hobby's Deli is without like getting in trouble. I remember it was like my first week there. 
I just wanted chocolate chip cookies, of course. Like, why wouldn't I? And I walked across, like, through this alley. And, like, Ray Shiro goes, where'd you get those cookies? I'm like, oh, like, the convenience store, like, down through that alley. And he looked at me, he goes, you went through an alley? I'm like, yeah, why not? He goes, never cross that street again. Like, that, that was basically, like, the... That was when I found out, like, oh, this is, like, not good. And then, like, just... I don't know, like, game nights, you commute. And we all commuted through newark penn station and i mean that's an experience like the path train is an experience by itself i feel like i mean yeah i took the path every day because i lived in the financial district i commuted from manhattan um i never had any problems though i i mean there's always train shenanigans but that's (laughs) i mean you see that i think you're gonna see that anywhere that they have public transportation you know like I remember one time there was a girl who like, there was a group of girls who got on, they clearly come from a devil's game. And so they got on at Newark Penn and gradually everybody's like getting off the train, like two girls leave, another two girls leave. And so then this girl, there's one last girl by herself. She was like totally happy when all her friends were on the train. And then she, her friends got off the train and she's got like one friend left with her and she kind of gets sad and then the one friend gets off um, at like one of the final stops. And so then I think it's two more stops to Manhattan. And I noticed that her, like her whole face just, just kind of falls and she starts crying. And I'm like, oh, that's sad. But you know, who hasn't cried on a subway or who hasn't cried on a train? But then it becomes more than just crying, like very quickly devolves into like loud, heavy sobs and like full on wailing. And there's only like maybe three of us on this car with her, like on this train car with her. And we're like trying not to look. And I, like, I finally like look, I, she's like down the other end too. I finally look over and I'm like, I just yell. I'm like, are you okay? <laughs> she like, just ignores me and just keeps crying. The train pulls into World Trade Center. Um, she like pulls herself together, gets off. It's like, it never happened. But like this... I've never heard somebody crying this loudly in public. <laughs> like these were big, heavy sobs. <laughs> Corey's the only one of the three of us that would have like walked over and been like, are you okay? You and I would have just like yelled, shouted well, over there. Like, <laughs> that's what I did. I like yelled down to the other end. I'm like, are you okay? <laughs> she didn't say anything. But it was I like. Say I, um, I mean, I, I feel like I was like, uh, I was like the unofficial tourism bureau bureau chief for uh for newark like every 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 time like other (laughs) yeah every time writers from other cities came in i'd be like no no it's like come on like i'll let's go for a walk and like i would like like lead people so like where where the good food is in newark and like that's the thing like there's i mean if we're if we were making a list of like the best cities in the league by food like newark is not anywhere near the bottom for me like there was like lots of really good places you just had to kind of know where to know where to go to find them um but even but even like i mean just just like cornbread like i mean the cornbread is literally i mean like you said it like it is literally across the street from the arena and like i don't think a lot of people even really knew about it whenever i mean they opened like kind of like right before the pandemic started or during the pandemic and so but then like everybody came back to games and it was just like i'd be sitting in there you know 5 30 before a game and i'd be like man this is the food here is amazing. Why are there not more people here? And so like, I I don't know, it would be, I think there is like a lot of good stuff near the arena that would 
like draw more people if it was like better I don't even know if advertise is the right word, but like if just people just had like a better awareness of like where stuff is in Newark beyond because there has been this like you know, re, you know, like a reputation or perception of of downtown Newark. And so people come from like all over the state to go to a game and they just like park in the parking lot and walk into the arena and or maybe they go to yeah. the you know, they used to go to like Dinosaur Barbecue or the or Reds or whatever, and that was pretty much it, right? But there is like more there's more there. And like, I mean, hopefully someday like more people will, will recognize that maybe <laughs> Marcus Samuelson's restaurant. We used to go there too. That place was good. Yeah. Well, like you have, you have places like hobbies and obviously like I am notorious for never packing a lunch, like ever. I don't even know how to do that. Basically when I lived there, now I know how to do that, but like the Queens, like Queens deli, whether it was like the one, um, that was like further oh, up yeah. Broad Street or the other one, like the sandwiches there. I still remember it. Like the Diablo wrap is like one of my favorite things. Every time I go to Newark, I get it. And you have like Mercado tomato pie in the burger place. Um, oh, that burger place is good. Julie Robenheimer. Yeah. She will tell you that that's like one of her favorite burgers. And I like that place was always just kind of overlooked. Like I know it's next to a Chipotle and I like refuse to go to Chipotle no. <laughs> for many reasons. Um I thought I was like late to the burger to the game on that burger place, but that burger place is really good. One of the first fun stories I ever did about the Devils was their uh, the Chipotle run. Like that year, that first year that I started covering the team, the year they made the playoffs, they like literally before every road trip, uh, nope. they could all go over there and get like, and it was just like, I, I, I there was like there were a couple points along the way where I was talking to people about it, and I was just like, you guys get like catered food on the plane why are you getting a chipotle burrito but it was just like it was one of those things that just kind of like became like an inside team tradition thing was like hey we gotta we gotta fly today someone's gotta go get the chipotle and so like they would you just like uh you know i think i was actually going to uh that i don't know if i was going to the empanada place or or where but like i just like was walking by chipotle and and i was like I can't remember who the first one i saw it might have been connor carrick or something literally somebody came out with like two bags like holding two bags of of Chipotle and I was just like wait what are you doing and he was like oh it's a Chipotle run before the game before we fly I was like okay I'll you know and then a few days later I started asking guys about it in the, in the locker room and I was like okay yeah I guess all this good food around here and uh, we're gonna we're gonna do Chipotle before we get on a plane which seems interesting but I wrote about that with the Ducks actually because um Hampus Linho it was like Hampus Linholm and Ricard Raquel who were obsessed with Chipotle but then I started asking who was I? I was talking to Kevin Bieksa one day and Bieksa was like, I don't get it. All of the Swedes on this team are obsessed with Chipotle. And it turned out like, yeah, Hampus and Ricky would go to Chipotle, but then like Jacob Silverberg would go to Chipotle and like a couple of the other Swedish guys. And it was like, I wrote about this, how the Swedes in Anaheim were like obsessed with Chipotle. And I was like, there's so much better Mexican food in Southern California. And Hampus was like, but where? I just don't know where to go. And he's and so I, me and one of the, and the PR guy, Alex Gilchrist, we gave him a few taco places to go to. And the next day he shows up to practice and we're like, did you go? And he's like, no, I just, I don't know if it's going to be like Chipotle or not. Oh my gosh. Hampus. They're like, it's better. It's better. He has since had better Mexican food, but like at the time we were like me, it was like me, Elliot Tiford and Eric Stevens, the, Ducks beat writers and and the PR guy were like in disbelief. We're like Chipotle's not that good. It's and there's really like, actually like I'm I totally agree with Corey. Like Newark has rightfully a bad rep. I mean, 
like they're cleaning up the city in terms of like how they handle it, like everything. But food wise, like you couldn't get to all the good restaurants in a week for lunch if you tried, because there are just so many good ones that like there's there's always something right. I feel like I tried like eight different things on 10 different restaurant menus while I was there. And it was just like, I don't have a reason to want to bring food. And also like I was trying to spend the least amount of time at my apartment as possible based on my roommates. So like, just generally speaking, I'm like, I don't need to be cooking if I don't have to. But like, let's talk about the devils. Cause like when we were there, obviously it was like a magical year. Taylor was ridiculous. Um, and then things kind of fell off a cliff, but they're back and they're like, honestly, like I feel like they're one of the most entertaining teams in the league. Like, what's it like to cover like that playoff run from like a media perspective versus then like the downturn where it's like, oh my God, is this team going to win a game in the next three weeks? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I came up 2018. I was still covering the Mets. Um, so I got there with five games left of the regular season. And then I covered five playoff games, which I just did again with the Mets. I covered eight regular season games and then three playoff games when I got back to the Mets last year. Um, so it was really weird because I, like guys didn't really know me that I knew there were four guys who'd played for Anaheim who I knew at the time. So that was good. Palmieri, Sammy, uh, Pat Maroon, um somebody else too that I can't think of I don't know why but um oh Ben Lovejoy and Ben Lovejoy was great at sort of filling me in like I leaned on him and Palmieri heavily those first few weeks because I just didn't know I hadn't seen the team much all season so but I'd covered a lot of playoff hockey uh so I was pretty comfortable once we got back into a playoff atmosphere but it was pretty apparent right away against uh, Tampa, the, the, it, the devils were just overmatched. Like the blue line was a mess. And the second Sammy went down, like when Kucherov elbowed yeah. him in the head, I was like, Oh yeah, we're, we're done. Like we're done. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I got to know Taylor a little bit that during for a couple weeks. Uh, and he's great. He's so candid and he was nice enough to like stand there with me while I asked him a bunch of dumb questions that he'd probably been asked all season. Uh, so that was a weird it was weird timing. And then over the summer, they get, you know, no free agents and make almost no notable trades. And I was like, oh, they overachieved in 2018. Uh, that was sort of an aberration. And they are not ready to compete yet. They're still a little bit of a ways off. And my biggest question that summer was how does Taylor feel about this and he was pretty candid about it saying he didn't like that he thought the devil should have gone for some bigger free agents but like there really weren't that many that year that, yeah that, there weren't it was like JVR no, was, JVR um, was the big one yeah yeah like it was that it was not turned out really well yeah exactly <laughs> that contract <laughs> not aged well and there wasn't like that was the year that Eric Carlson was getting the the senators were trying to trade Eric Carlson so like he's kind of the domino that needs to fall for the rest of the market to kind of take shape and he didn't but like I kind of knew that summer I was like oh no like the this the fans are going to be pissed because they think this team is on the rise and Ray 
sees it as they overachieved in 2018 and that might actually set them back now. Like that, it turns out that playoff run, like maybe it was more detrimental to them than anything else. Oh, I, I feel like it was because it gave, well, like kudos to Ray for uh, recognizing like this is not a sustainable situation here and like yeah. we're not going to just like add a bunch of bad contracts. And so like, I think Ray was absolutely right in like not overpaying for like certain guys and and whatever, but like, from a fan perspective, like, and all three of us have experienced this to varying degrees, like Devil's Twitter is insane. And, and like their expectations of what the team was going to be after 2018 were widely different than what, oh, yeah. like, reality was, right? And now you look at it and it's like, okay, if Ray buys in the summer of 2018, the Devils don't have Jack Hughes. Like, they just don't. Absolutely not. Right. And I, I, they probably don't have Dougie Hamilton either because you've basically just like pushed that cycle back. The Devils are probably in the same spot the Flyers are right now if Ray buys in the summer of 2018. Right. In which case, you also don't have Meyer. To me, I mean, like the Devils are like the most, they're kind of like the most perfect example for any other franchise that like this isn't. Like the whole rebuilding thing is not a, it's never a straight line. Well, I shouldn't say no. that. Like there was a whole, like right around the time of the big lockout when we lost a whole year of hockey and we came back, like the league came back that year and there was like, I say we, I wasn't, I was like not even involved, but anyway. Um, like, How dare you there, say we, you are not on a team, sir. No, and, and also I wasn't even like writing about the league at that point. Uh, but no, like there's this whole like, there was this, it was just like an unprecedented amount of turnover. And so like all of the teams that were good before the lockout were either old or had to be broken up because of the salary cap. And so there was just this like huge power vacuum. And so all the teams that tanked right before the lockout because of the lockout, like Pittsburgh and Washington and a couple others, like they sudden, and then eventually Chicago too, like they were able to get very good very quickly. And so like people were like, Oh man, just do what Pittsburgh and Chicago did you know, be terrible for a couple of years, get a couple yeah. high picks, and then you'll be good right away. And like, the problem is, is that like the salary cap never really, like people thought the NHL salary cap was going to be like the NFL where like teams yo-yo back and forth all the time. And it doesn't really work like that. Like, I mean, Pittsburgh has been good for 15 years and like whoever gets Connor Bedard is probably going to be good for 15 years. And so like, um, yeah, it just, I just think like the devils, like whenever the devils started their rebuild, which I mean, as you as you mentioned, like with Devil's Twitter, one of the first things I realized whenever we I started covering them was like people there couldn't even agree on when the rebuild started. It was that like <laughs> that was a, that was a debate. Like when did it actually start? Was versus and so like, but yeah, like it, you know, if you go from like the day that Ray took over until really this year, I mean, they could have been good last year if it hadn't been for the goaltending and. But like you just look at how their whole thing, like they got the number one pick and then they randomly made the playoffs out of kind of out of nowhere. And then they were bad again and they got another number one pick. And like and then look, the you know, they tried. Like as soon as they got Jack, it was like, okay, we're going now. Like they traded for PK Subban. They had a meeting with Artemi Panarin. They tried to get they tried to sign him. Uh, you know, they they signed Wayne Simmons, like they were that year. They like basically ever since Jack has been on the roster, like they have tried to win. It just hasn't worked. And so like, yeah, I just think like that's, you look at other teams like Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa, even, I mean, I'm just kind of on ground, the, the ground floor of that here in San Jose. Like it's, 
it's not going to be a straight line back to the top of the mountain for any of these teams. And, um, but honestly, like the Devils have had a lot of, like they've, they've, you know, they've, they've, they've made a lot of smart moves and they've also gotten some breaks like, um, you know, not, not being like second for a couple of the free agents that they wanted to sign has probably turned out better for them than getting them. Um, a hundred percent. Yeah. Honestly, like, and as much as like the last couple of years, I know, like, you know, like it, it, the, the fan base in general was just, they were just, they were just done with the rebuild, right? Like they were ready to win. And so like the last couple of years, the expectations got higher and higher and then they kept falling on their face. And like, (laughs) that was awful for them to deal with in the moment. But honestly, like getting Luke Hughes and Simone Nemich is like going to change everything for them over the next five to 10 years. Like they're like, they have a good team now. Like they can be the avalanche or the lightning. If those two guys are as good as people think they are and they join all of the other really good young players that they already have. So sometimes like, I'm, it's like it's here in San Jose. They've been losing for four years, but this is really the first year where people are like, oh, yeah, they're actually trying to rebuild now. So it might be another five, seven years here. We don't know. Um, but eventually, like, uh, you know, it is still probably the best way to eventually build a team that can win a Stanley Cup. It's tough because, like, you know, baseball and hockey are different in terms of like they're the one's salary cap league and one is not but the Mets have been continually trying to reload for years the Mets have never done a true rebuild they had the 2015 World Series run and they wanted to capitalize on having those pitchers and then it turned out we were in the era of the home run and building around pitchers who are injured all the time it wasn't a good idea and there was bad management in there too but like when you're just continually trying to reload and you never give a you never give the team a reset you never like you have to take a step back and understand what you're missing in order to be competitive and in order to win. Like you can say, okay, we have a lot of depth on the blue line, but you know, if you don't have dynamic centers to take the puck from the defenseman, you know, you can just keep taking half measures with uh, some guys who are kind of fine, but not great. You can keep taking half measures, but that doesn't do you any good. You really, need a full reset in order to climb back up again. And I think we're seeing that with the devils. They, they took their reset in, you know, 2018, 19, they ended up with Jack and then things didn't go the way they planned, but they also didn't veer from the plan. You know, they wanted to be a sustainable winner and develop talent and bridge the gap with some high-end veterans that are not on big contracts or long-term contracts. And they said they'd pull the trigger on contracts at the right time. And we saw that with Dougie Hamilton and the way that they went after Johnny Gaudreau last summer. Like now they see this as their time. They never really deviated from their plan though. And I do have to give them credit for that because they went through a few managers and, you know, some outside opinions who did want them to veer from their plan. Yeah. Like, I think there's something to be said for actually following the plan. And I like the one thing, like even they still have a lot of the same scouts uh from when i was there and like I, that was something i noticed right off the bat is like there's a good scouting department there right like paul castron i think Corey did a story on him maybe but like he he really knows what he's doing or like something like with the devil's drafting either way but like they've they've got some good pieces they got some pieces like later on like you think like jesper bratt fabian zetterlin yegor sharangovich was drafted the year um i was with the team like to see him succeed has been has been super uh fantastic like i i love that and like i think 
they're playing like this fun brand of hockey now um which is kind of nice and like i think everybody thinks to varying degrees that the three of us hate the devils (laughs) which is so (laughs) funny because like I have said like many times, there's like so many people in that organization that I want to see succeed. Chief among them, Damon Severson. Um, but like, I don't know. I feel like all three of us have missed out on like the most fun time to be around that organization. Granted, like the year that we had, like with the three of us together, I mean, all of us are running around with our heads cut off most of the time like I think I bumped into Abby more than a bunch of times like trying to get the paper from the printer I'm like oh sorry like Paige and I like smashing into each other like just absolutely wild 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 um but yeah this is this has been fun um so I guess like we'll finish up with um I got dared to do this so um we'll end with this Each of you gets um, one thing you get to tell the SGP listeners about me that, like, you guys know as my good friends, but, like, other people might not necessarily know about me. Rachel can eat so much McDonald's and (laughs) never gain a single pound. (laughs) Not fair. It's absolutely (laughs) not fair. (laughs) Like, the way that that girl can crush some McDonald's is just, like, it's you and Julie Robenheimer. Corey, this is this was Corey's words, not mine. Uh, he said this about Julie, and it applies to you, friend of the podcast, friend of the devils, Julie Robenheimer. Corey said Julie has the metabolism some people would give up a middle child for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you have the same thing, and it's not fair. That is accurate. That's so accurate. The <laughs> amount of times I'd just be sitting in the media room crushing chicken nuggets and fries is like wild. That was going to be my answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's a good answer? Um, kind of put me on the spot. Everybody knows that you're like the big, uh, the big uh, German football person. Oh, speaking of that, oh no, never mind. I was just about to, I was just about to do a visual cue on a uh, non-video podcast. I still have that. Uh, I went to, uh, I was in Germany uh, before the season with the Sharks, and I actually picked up a can of uh coke that had uh rachel's favorite player on it and i I still haven't uh been able to uh give it to her (laughs) did i did not go to toronto this year with the sharks so uh yeah no i I really feel like i feel like it's one of those things like one thing is like a lot of people have no idea um is like the three of us have had a group chat for a long time five years now something like that yeah right like we've remained very close and it's the only like outside of like my family group chat it is the only group chat that I'm an active participant in and like I feel like it's one of those things where like we all had like a shared experience and like that brought us closer so now like we share other parts of our lives and now we live in three (laughs) different cities like and two different countries um and oh, I got like, a story. It, I have oh, one that people don't know. Do it. Rachel's we dog don't. bit me. <laughs> peanut, peanut drew blood. <laughs> I was uh, I was at Rachel's house uh, to do a story on her. I was t- actually there to uh, meet with her uh, mom and stepdad. And uh, yeah, very friendly dog, except for the part where uh, he bit me. 
and I'm bleeding. <laughs> we we <laughs> love yeah. Peanut. Yep, that dog yeah. still exists. We also have a second dog now, and he's just a black lab. So like what I found out actually, fun fact about that dog, um, we did like a DNA test on that dog because we ended up like rescuing it from a forest. Um, Peanut is part wolf. <laughs> I'm like, we adopted a freaking a wolf. wolf. <laughs> like, what are we doing? But That's yeah, she's funny. like done all this training and, and it's been wild. So yeah, I guess everybody gets to find out a um, little bit about me that they wouldn't necessarily know. But this has been fun. Um, I really appreciate uh, you guys taking the time and uh, maybe we'll do this again sometime. Yeah, definitely. Sounds good to me. All right. This has been the Staff and Graph podcast. Um if you want to hear future episodes, past episodes, go to thehockeynews.com slash podcast, and we'll see you next time.